Hello and welcome back into another edition of the Emerald Football Podcast. It's been a while since we talked football. I'm here with Charlie Gearing and Daniel Fries. How you guys doing? Doing well, Shane. How are you? Good, good. Daniel, doing, still doing up in Eugene? No, nah, I'm back home in the Bay Area, but I'm doing well. Yep, so we're all back home now. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a while because we've been traveling. We've had finals. Uh, we did some basketball ones, and you guys can check those out on the podcast feed on SoundCloud. They're also up on the website. Um, but it felt like time to do some football because we missed a recap of the Cal game and a preview for that. Um, obviously, Oregon lo- loses their second in a row. Uh, they lost to Cal, what, two weeks ago now. Um, and we had some thoughts about that, mostly that, you know, the one game the defense finally plays well, the offense kind of is the one that sputters. Um, we'll go just a minute on this game. Uh, start with you, Charlie. What did you see in, in that Cal game? I know we're going back a few weeks now, but. Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, for the Cal game, what was big, what was really uh, prevalent to me was that Chuck didn't seem confident at all. Um, he seemed really shook, I think, still from the OSU game. And it's shown their game. I mean, like you said, Shane, there's it hasn't been the problem. Offense hasn't been the problem year in, year out for the Ducks. They've been really explosive. The problem has been the defense not being able to get off the field. Um, but they really stuck out as being a major issue. Um, what about you, Daniel? What do you think? I think um, one good takeaway you can have from that Cal game is that I believe their defense shut out Cal in the second half. Yep. It was either shut them out or gave up three. But anyways, that's not been what their defense has played like this year. And I think that it's important that they start to get that going, especially heading into this USC game. It's such a dynamic offense. And the fact that they finally got their defense rolling, even though it was a loss, it's a good sign. So that's a good takeaway from it. But like Charlie said, the offense is lacking, definitely. Yeah, and, and I would add, too, is is that, yeah, the, the defense held them to three points in the second half, but the offense didn't score any in the second half. Yeah, right. Not, not a single. Well, they point. had chances, too. They had turnovers. They have that. They're finally moving the ball, and that final drive looks like they're going to either take the lead or, or – or sorry, excuse me, tie or take the lead, and, and they fumbled. I think it was Johnny Johnson, and that was not – the only turnover in that game. The turnover differential has been a story of the season for the Ducks. Um, moving on, uh, we have a big game to talk about this week, but the bigger news has been Cristobal. The Auburn job has opened up. Uh, they fired Gus Malzahn after, a, I believe, six and four season over there. Um, look, Cristobal had talked at length that, that they, they were working on an extension back right before the pandemic hit. Talks kind of slowed down when the pandemic did hit understandably uh, for financial reasons, especially, and just unpredictability. Uh, they had picked back up and now it seems like the university is getting serious. There's a big threat of Auburn. Uh, Auburn has talked about Cristobal rumored that Cristobal has not uh, alluded that there's any real movement there, but uh, it seems like the university is really pushing to, to re-sign Cristobal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they definitely are. And I think an important distinction for Oregon fans is that, you know, athletic director um, Rob Mullins is, is the point person on this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Sh- um, President Schill has, has been looped in and also said that, uh, I'll read a quote here really quick. Um, I'm pleased that the negotiations are proceeding well and hope that Mario is our coach for years to come. And Mario has, has kind of uttered the same and that he wants to stay here. Um, this is his new home. There's, they're moving in the right direction. I believe Mario said something along the lines of, we have a great thing going here. 
the other day in a press conference. So things are looking up. Nothing is hashed out completely. Um, that'll be up to the director, but things are looking up for sure. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know because just a few years ago, Ducks fans, the same thing kind of happened with Willie Taggart. And he goes to Florida State when he said he's kind of locked in with Oregon. And I do believe it when Cristobal says it. His family's put down roots here, and they do have a good thing going despite maybe a disappointing season in some ways. But really young team, literally the youngest in the nation by percentage of underclassmen. So a lot of growing to do there. I want to talk about the Pac-12 um, because we, there's not much to talk about with the Chris Ball extension until we get meaningful news about that. And that could come at any moment. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear something while we're recording. Um, and we'll throw that in if we do. But I want to talk about the Pac-12 because – the Pac-12's kind of incompetency has been a story for years. Um, this year was no different. They were the last conference to really get a schedule up. Um, not only did they get a schedule up, but they don't schedule in a week where they can reschedule canceled games. And what we saw happen this week was craziness. Um, Oregon is supposed to play Washington. Then Washington has a COVID outbreak. Um, they don't have any offensive line. They don't have enough scholarship players healthy. So then it's like, okay, well, we'll have Oregon uh, play Colorado. They scheduled a whole slate this week, which makes almost no sense to me because it's a conference championship week. Then, of course, they go from playing Colorado. Washington can't play USC in the Pac-12 championship. So now it's Oregon versus USC in the Pac-12 championship game this Friday, if you can follow that. It's been a clusterfuck. Um, I don't even know where to start, honestly. Charlie, I guess one question would be, what can the Pac-12 do in the future, but also just where did they go wrong this season? Well, this season, I, I mean, obviously it was incredibly difficult. Um, and the Pac-12 is among, you know, one of the conferences that has, well, three states, Washington, Oregon, California, all had some of the most stringent uh, COVID guidelines there are around the country. So that was a clear hurdle early on. Um, but they weren't very proactive. Larry Scott, um, obviously, it, it just it just seemed like they waited and waited and waited, and there was no action. And um, that's unacceptable. I mean, Shane, you've touched on this in the past. Larry Scott, I believe, is the highest paid commissioner, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, it, it's it's unacceptable. And and I think moving forward, they've got to be more proactive. Also, a question that I had from the get go was. Okay, if it's only going to be a six-game slate, why wouldn't you have the Ducks playing USC week one or something, right? Um, but I'd be curious to hear you guys' thoughts. What do you think, Daniel? Um, yeah, no, the, the Pac-12 has definitely been in shambles this year. You got teams like, I think Arizona State's played three times, and Oregon State and UCLA have played six times, which is just pretty uncalled for. There's a three-game difference between those two teams who are both in the same conference too. But um, I think it's important to touch on the refs too. You kind of hit on it with Larry Scott a little bit, but um, that Oregon Cal game, we all know about the pass interference on Bennett Williams. Um, the Oregon, Oregon state game had a few questionable calls. The Oregon state Washington game, the refs had a few really bad ball placements that screwed over Oregon state. And in a season, that's only six games to have this many, like to have this many, examples of bad refereeing is pretty pretty disturbing honestly because six games isn't a lot but you've had a lot of examples of refs kind of screwing over one of the teams I think it's also important to note that this year's Pac-12 is probably the worst that the Pac-12 has really been in a while the Pac-12 
as a division, I feel like has been trending downwards for a while now, but you always kind of had Oregon, Stanford, UW, those teams. I think this year, the best team in the Pac-12 supposedly, according to the rankings, is USC. But even them, like, they've had a few games that they could have easily lost themselves. So it's also important to note how weak the Pac-12 has become this season. Yeah, I have a few thoughts. Charlie, you mentioned the thing about, well, why not play Oregon USC week one? I feel that I think they wanted them to be undefeated and, and, and meet because if you're two 6-0 teams, obviously that's not how it went. I, I understand that decision. I, I guess I do question why, I mean, and maybe it's because they didn't turn out to be that good, but why Cal and Arizona State didn't play USC Oregon more. Um, but the thing was that they didn't schedule, and I mentioned this earlier, but they didn't schedule a week prior to the championship week, which is this week. Um, where they could reschedule some of these games from earlier in the season. Because you talked, Daniel said, all right, three games for Arizona State. You know, Arizona State has not been great this season. They were supposed to be one of the better teams. But they could at least have gotten a fourth game. Or Oregon could have gotten their sixth game entering this. Because no matter what, they weren't going to be a 6-0 team facing a 6-0 team because of the COVID cases. Um, it's been really tough. And, and I, I don't envy the position any of the people are in making these decisions. But... Daniel, you touched on the Pac-12 also isn't that good this year. I think, although I was skeptical last year, Oregon last year and Utah, I know it was a full season, but those two teams were much better than Oregon and, say, USC this year. Um, Oregon's lost two games. Their defense has not been great. We touched on that. And USC's been a little bit fraudulent in the way they're pulling out some of these wins. Uh, they're undefeated, and you've got to hand them that because this has been a crazy season. Um, and with that, let's talk about USC. Uh, like I said, Friday – uh, the conference championship, Oregon is right back where they wanted to be. Uh, it's been a roundabout way of getting here. They'll face, I would say, pretty much undeniably the best team they faced this season. Again, some of the wins have been really close for the Trojans. Um, the story here is really the passing offense for the Trojans. Definitely. Um, that should stick out to anybody, Shane. Um, three, three receivers in the conference's top five in receiving yards. You got Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn's all over 380 yards on the season. This is going to pose a very legitimate threat to the Oregon secondary. Obviously, Didi Lenore has locked down his side of the field most of the year. Um, I mean, I could probably count on one hand the amount of mistakes that are made on that side. Uh, but Michael Wright and, you know, Jamal Hill, who I think has been very solid, those guys are going to have to step up this week. I think you touched on it a little bit, Charlie, and I was going to touch on it too with those three receivers. But um, if you look at the way USC plays, they really live and die by the air game. Um, Slovis actually has had a really good season. I think he's averaging like 320 passing yards a game. But yeah. they throw the ball so much that he's bound to throw a few interceptions, which I'm hoping happens this week. We hopefully can capitalize on a few turnovers because they haven't been able to do that this season. But I think that USC's real weakness, and it's really similar to Oregon's too, is their defense. If you look at a lot of these games that they played against like Arizona, UCLA, Arizona State, um, a lot of blown coverages, a lot of missed tackles by this USC defense. So I think that you can really draw a lot of similarities between these two teams. They both have explosive offenses that can get down the field in three plays, but they both can't get off the field in defense. So that's why I think that this week is going to be really high scoring. Absolutely. Um, you touched on all those things. Keaton Slovis, 1,600 yards in this abbreviated season. I think most people coming in would have said he's one or two in terms of best quarterbacks in, in the pack. 
um, especially with some guys like uh, Tyler Shaw being kind of unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, Jane Daniels had a down year. Davis Mills, too. And Davis Mills has been great, yes. And Davis Mills, Oregon didn't see him in that game and maybe even lose that game if they face Davis Mills because they're 3-1 and one, um, since Davis Mills took over. But, yeah, you guys mentioned it. I mean, the running game is is – I wouldn't say it's non-existent because they they get positive yardage, but they don't have a – I mean, you know, uh, Vave Malapai, um, he's, he's probably their lead guy in terms of, you know, just carries and yardage, but they've got – Step and Carr and Kristen. So they got a lot of other guys that can throw at the Ducks defense. Um, I will be interested because although you haven't had a lot of time to prepare for USC because it went from Washington to Colorado to USC in terms of game planning, you have had a lot of time to practice in this, this off week, I guess, if you're Oregon. And the defense looks better against Cal. So, you know, maybe we think that the defense gets better in that off week and that they can kind of put together a full game on defense. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the other side of the ball. Um, when, when Oregon is on offense, I think you will expect them to bounce back. I would expect them to bounce back. Um, maybe not going to put up 30 plus necessarily, but probably going to have a bounce back from that Cal game. The, the the Trojans aren't a great defense, but they have some playmakers, and it starts with their safety, Talno Hufanga. I mean, this guy is all over the place. Leads the team in total tackles with 50, which is 18 more than the, the, uh, the next best. Uh, he's got a sack. He's got four interceptions and two forced fumbles, which in a six-game season is pretty prolific in terms of just the numbers there. Um, I don't know where they'll be lining him up and what they want to take away. Um, where they want to use him to match up, but he's going to be a problem. What are you guys' predictions for how this Duck offense comes out, and do you think they maybe have some stuff in their back pocket? Joe Moore had some plays that they've waited to kind of bring out for a game like this? That's that's one thing, Shane, that has been really surprising this year is, is their play calling, their ability to adjust. And they've been explosive year in and year out, aside from Cal, obviously. And um, I, I wouldn't – sorry? Game in and game out, you mean. Yeah, 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 game in and game out. Um, I think I, I think they'll have stuff in their back pocket. Um, I think they'll be using uh, the running backs a lot, uh, not only, um, you know, up the gut, but also as pass catchers. They've done that. Um, obviously, Die caught one last game. Um, and I, I definitely expect them to utilize some really interesting play calls. What do you think, Daniel? Um. I think you touched on it again, Charlie, that I think that it's important for Oregon this game to establish the run game. I don't think they did a really good job of that against Cal, and it kind of forced them to be a one-trick pony by the end of the game. I think Cal kind of knew that they couldn't establish the run game, so they were just going to rely on Chuck to throw it downfield. So I think it is important for Oregon early to show maybe, you know, we'll see if Verdell's healthy now. I, I, was, I would assume that he gets the start. That's a but, big storyline is Verdell's kind of trailed off, yeah. But if he does get the start, I would expect them to try to establish the run game early because this USC, you touched on what was the guy on their defense? What was his name? Talano Hufanga. Talano Hufanga. So they have they have had a few guys that have had great seasons, but as a whole, they're not the best defending the run. So I think if Oregon established that early, they'll be they'll be on a roll. Yeah. Um 
<laughs> this week I wrote kind of a premature awards piece where I went through, I said, all right, offensive player of the year, defense player of the year, MVP for Oregon and MVP. I was stumped. I'm sitting here like, well, there's no, you know, stalwart lineman like a Panay Sewell. There's no quarterback like Herbert. You know, I thought about Shuck, but he's had some down moments in their losses. I settled on Travis Dye, which if we're doing odds to win, I guess, team MVP, he would not have been high on that list. The reason I picked him is because his statistically he's had a, a monster year. I mean, he leads the team in not only rushing yards, but he's third in receiving yards. So he's got, you know, close to 600 um, all purpose yards in the season, which look, I think we thought he was capable of a season like that, but he's really been utilized to his fullest with his speed in this offense, especially as a pass catcher. Um, he's averaging over 10 yards per touch, which is second among all FBS running backs, which is really stellar. Um, and so you talk about establishing the run. I want to hit on Verdell because Verdell has been a great running back since he's gotten to Oregon. But one of the things is that he gets his really physical style of run running with his kind of smaller frame, he gets nicked up a lot and he's missed a lot of second halves of games. And he had some, he had a game like that where he didn't look right. He also had a game where they just kind of didn't play him that much. And they just gave to Travis die a lot. I believe that was Cal. Um, so I will be interested to see if Ferdell's healthy. I think he will be, but that two headed attack is the key, especially because although they haven't been amazing, um, the secondary for USC has four and five star athletes in them. I mean, Chris Steele at cornerback is a guy that was committed to the ducks and then went back to USC after originally committing to USC back and forth. So they have talented guys. One other thing I want to talk about though, is this kind of quartet, these four receivers for Oregon with Johnny Johnson, Jalen Rett, Devin Williams, and Micah Pittman. There hasn't really been a game where they've been all on the field and healthy uh, week one. They're all out there. Um, but then Micah Pittman misses two weeks. Devin Williams missed the Cal game. And they, I think they really missed him in that Cal game because he's leading the team with 260 yards receiving on only 13 receptions. He's averaging 20, you know, 20 yards per reception um, highlighted by that 60 yard reception he had against Oregon state. Um, like I said, Pittman is back. So that quartet is talented. I wrote about best position group and I thought that the wide receivers have been the most um, consistent. Uh, is there a guy maybe that you think Daniel could exploit this defense? I think Johnny Johnson is due for a big performance because he's had kind of an underwhelming year, but is there a guy you look at among those four? Um, I think in my opinion, Michael Pittman's due for a big game. I would hope it comes this week. Maybe it doesn't, but just touching on their offense, if you take away that second half of the cow game, their offense really has been the stronger side of the ball this year, which I don't think me personally, I didn't expect coming into this season. I thought their defense was what, what was going to carry them throughout this whole entire season. But I think it's really interesting to see now you're at the end of the year and you're expecting maybe the offense not to be as strong with Shuck and with the loss of Herbert, but it's just, it's interesting to see how six game of the year, they're really more of a dynamic offensive team than they are on defense, which was, I don't think what anyone expected with all the recruits that they got with all the guys that were coming back on defense. So. Yeah. It's mentality a lot too. Um, like talent can only get you so far. 
they they have talent. They don't have the leadership necessarily, and they lost that with opt-outs, with seniors graduating, going to the NFL draft. Um, and I, you kind of forget how many pieces they lose. Obviously, I knew they lose Herbert and the line on offense, and that's a whole other issue with the, the line has been inconsistent. But on defense, yes, the opt-outs, but a guy like Troy Dye, like just one of the best leaders you're fi- you'll find. Talk about bringing energy. He always brought energy. Super sure-handed tackler. So, right, um, the defense has some strides. Again, back to the offense, um, Micah Pittman – had some moments against USC last year, uh, as did Juwan Williams. Not sorry, Juwan Johnson, who is not here anymore. He graduated, but he was that big body receiver, a lot less athletic, but kind of similar build to Devin Williams. So Devin Williams, you know, he could exploit the defense. But like I said, I think Johnny Johnson is my pick. Um, Charlie, do you have any thoughts on the on the wide receiver core? Yeah, I think Devin Williams is my pick. Um, this one's personal for him. He's playing against his former team. Yeah, something I didn't even mention. Absolutely. Yeah, he's playing against his former team. This has got to be personal for him. And that he was missing uh, during the Cal game. Super frustrating loss for the Ducks. I think he's going to have a statement game. Absolutely. Uh, let's go Let's go defense now and just pick someone we think might have a statement game. I'll start. Um, I think Kayvon is due. Um and again, another one of the awards I wrote about was, you know, who's, who's due for a big game against USC. And I said Kayvon because I think he's had a, a frustrating year. He was so good as a freshman and he's been really good this year, but he's learning how frustrating it can be when you are the pass rusher that every offense is focused on slowing down. Last year, there was guys like Lamar Winston. Obviously, Troy Dye was not an exterior rusher, but he, he'd rush from the inside. They had Drayton Carlberg. Bryson Young, Gus Cumberlander. So a lot of guys um, where Kayvon could kind of be one in a pack and he was the most productive, but he wasn't the only guy. And he's not the only guy this year, but he's the guy that garners the attention. He has, he faces a ton of double teams. That being said, the last two weeks, he really figured it out. He made a lot of big plays against both the Ducks, or sorry, the, not the Ducks, the Beavers um, and the Cal Bears. Um, he's up to two sacks in the season. He's, he's batted some passes down. And look, he played his best ball at the end of the season. He had that monstrous performance against uh, Utah last year with two and a half sacks. He blocked the punt. So I look for him to really turn up in a game like this. Charlie, what about you? I agree. I think that's a great pick. Um, And I would also add to that that um, USC, something that really sticks out is they give up a ton of sacks. Um, Keaton Slovis has been sacked 12 times this year. So that's a huge opportunity for Kayvon to show out. Also, Isaac Slade. He's a guy that could show out. Um, and also Jordan Scott, I think he's due as well. What do you think, Daniel? Um, Kayvon Thibodeau is a really good pick. I think that my pick for this game would have to be someone in the secondary. I'm going to pick Diamador Lenore for now. But um, we talked about how dynamic of an offense USC has. I think that for Oregon to stop them on defense, you're going to need your big-time players like Lenore to make big-time plays. And I think that this can really be the game that NFL scouts look at Lenore and see that, you know, he's a difference maker on the defensive side. Because we all know it. I don't really think he's gotten the chance to show it this year because they haven't been as great. But I think he'll get the chance this week on, you know, national television against one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. So that's my pick. It could be someone else in the secondary too, but – I'm just going to stick with Lenore for now because I think he's going to be the one who they have lining up with St. Brown, with London, with Vaughn's. He's going to be the guy that, you know, 
they he's going to cover the USC's best playmaker. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we'll see who that is. I think that's a great pick. I don't know which, like I said, I don't know which one, yeah. which receiver they'll stick him on. But, right, he's had a great year. He hasn't had a lot of big plays necessarily, and that doesn't mean he has had a bad year. Cornerbacks don't always get the chance to get interceptions if they're locking down their side of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a crazy one-handed catch in the USC uh, game last year where they really steamrolled USC. But I think you're right in that. I think if Oregon, and we'll get to predictions right after this, but it, you, I think if Oregon wins this game, it's because they get a turnover. They force a takeaway, at least one on defense. That might be an interception. And I think Diamondor is a great pick for that. Let's get to those uh, predictions. Daniel, we'll start with you. Give me your score um, and maybe one reason you think that outcome happens. Um, uh, for score, I think I'm going to go 38-35 Oregon. So covering the line, I think that was a line, right? Negative three. Minus three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it pushed right on the line. Pushed right on the line. Um, I would go with that score because these are two very high-powered offenses and two mediocre defenses, so I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think in the end, like you said, I think hopefully they'll get that one big turnover that will put them over the edge. But, um, yeah, that's my, that's my prediction. Charlie? I agree. I got it. Definitely high scoring, 34-31 Ducks. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout. Both defenses have struggled to get off the year, uh, off the field this year. Um, and I think both offenses, offenses are really explosive and could exploit that. What do you think, Shane? Gone back and forth a few times. Um, it's hard to – it'd be hard to say that USC isn't the better team in this game. Um, their resume sure – presents the better team um i do think oregon can pull this game out and i think it'll be a close game but we've seen a lot of really worrisome things from oregon this year i don't know if they fix all those i'm gonna go usc again i i think it's a toss-up i really think i know ignore record i think this game is going to be really close and i think easily with a big play that i think the ducks could for sure win but there's been so much back and forth for all these teams it's just been a weird year I guess, you know, I, I think I would say maybe USC, like 35, Oregon, 31, 32, 33, somewhere in there. I think it'll be high scoring like you guys think, but I think USC might pull it out. Um, and that would be interesting. That would be a, a real interesting way for the Ducks to end this season where they're predicted to win the conference to maybe lose one game. They end up being three and three and it's kind of a crossroads season next year for them, for sure. That'll do it for us. Um, Keep an eye out for some more football content. We'll be doing a podcast. We're putting out our game day this week as always, um, as well as uh, we'll, we'll have Gabe Ornelas. We'll be down there covering the game. We're doing basketball content now that that's underway and that'll really pick up in the coming weeks. Make sure you're checking out our written content at thedailyemerald.com in the sports section and follow us on Twitter at ODE Sports. As always, thanks for listening.